Hampshire's home for sports. On ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. on here on ESPN New Hampshire. That's the video, eh, for that one? Yeah. Sorry about that. Some weird sound effects going on that Rolling Stones. Ride them on down. That's from uh, their latest album. The Stones still going, man. Still going after all these years. Unreal. But uh, we are going to talk right now with our good friend Mick Collagio of the New Bedford Standard Times. Talk some Boston Bruins. How are you doing, Mick? Hey, Murph. What's happening, sir? Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those days, but uh, we are here. We're on the air still, and uh, we want to. Um, I, I mean, you sent me a text earlier, and I agree with everything you said. I just don't think that the rest of the world seems to be seeing it that way. But you said in your uh, message uh, about your reaction uh, to yesterday, uh, you, you say, "Look, I mean." You watched the last two periods on replay when I got home. They played hard, took a point from a hot home team on the back end of consecutives. Can't be down about that. Exactly. Yeah, they're a hot home team. It's very easy to overlook the Carolina Hurricanes. Exactly. Yeah, they always seem like they're perpetually a team in transition. No pun intended because they got Noah Hannafin and a, and yeah. a bevy of young players who like to move the puck fast. And uh, they give up goals. And they get the same goalie they won the Stanley Cup with uh, you know, four centuries ago. And... Um, and you know, you always figure like you can count on them not to finish in the lottery, but also not make the playoffs. And yet uh, they've been pretty hot at home. And I'm wondering, one of these years, uh, one of these teams is going to. I mean, besides the obvious thing that happened with Columbus this year, is uh, a team like that's going to, you know, just gain enough maturation with its roster to start pushing. And it's not happening yet, but um, but that's a good. That's not a bad hockey team. Twelve four and one at home. Hey, that team That's has beat the uh, Chicago Blackhawks two out of three times, and then one time they didn't, they took them overtime. Uh, yeah, they, they, they push the pace. They also really confront puck carriers very aggressively. Uh, you could really see this in the game that we had them in uh, TD Garden uh, last That's month. That's right. There was, a, there was a game there where you could see that every Bruin that got the puck, there was a, there was a member of the Hurricanes that was like, Right there, uh, you know, in full all-out assault. It was 
they are, you know, they're trying to be the Blackhawks. They're trying to have quick sticks, mm-hmm. and they're trying to confront, and they're trying to take the pucks, pucks away. And, um, you know, it's high energy. they got the youth. they got the legs. It works for them. And, and uh, as I, I heard Bob McKenzie on uh, TSN 690 in Montreal this morning, I'm with my friend Tony Marinaro, and he, he made a good point, too, that Ron Francis has done a very uh, good job of not only picking up complementary pieces uh, via the waiver wire, Mick, but actual pieces that could become part of his core, specifically, you know, uh, Timo Teravainen, who was part of the Blackhawks there, and if not for cap reasons, would be part of that core there. So, uh, you know, credit to Ron Francis. This is a team on the rise, and that's why I agree with your text you sent me earlier. I mean, we're not making excuses for the Bruins, but it's not the worst thing in the world that you you pick up a point after playing a night before against a division rival. So I, I think that people need to start really looking more at the immediate instead of, like you said, oh, well, it's the, the Hurricanes and they're always going to be known as this. Well, they're not that on the ice. They're they're an improving team, and they're you saw that again. They're painted yeah. up. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't and think that's the they, worst they loss in the world. Work for it. They make you work for it. You, you, they hand you nothing. And... Um, uh, it, it, and now you go to St. Louis, and uh, the team's got the day off today, no practice. Um, they'll get back at it, you know, after after that three games, three games yep. in four days. They're going to get back at it with the morning skate tomorrow. It's uh, got to trade, and and then um, and then they go in against a really good team, and uh, we'll see how that works out. But it, in order for it to feel okay about the point in Carolina. There needs to be a really good effort in St. Louis. There needs to be a really good start, Mick, I think. And that obviously has been the thing that has plagued this team throughout the season. It has been more under a microscope lately. And, of course, a lot of the blame, as we've discussed it before, is getting shifted to Claude Julian. Um, And things weren't helped in that respect when Don Sweeney uh, tells Fluto Shinzauer, the Boston Globe, uh, that he has not ruled out a coaching change. Now, as I saw you tweet there, and I agree with you, uh, the editor completely sensationalized the title of that, uh, and uh, understandably so. That's his job. Well, uh, if you read, the, if you just read the first graph or two of the story, you'd say, "Well, he didn't do anything wrong." The editor wrote exactly what Pluto right. said. It right, was pretty straightforward. The only thing is, you go down to the third graph, and Sweeney's firing himself. Right, and and, <laughs> and what and and, and Mick, on, and that's the problem, right? And that's a great point by you. Nobody reads the rest of the stories, right? Uh, like that's the problem in this in this day and age. And and you're right. That's the bigger thing I want to get to, and that's the thing I said to Sully to kick off the show. Sully, if you remember, I said earlier in the show, the thing that strikes me the most or struck me the most about that story and those quotes from Sweeney was exactly what you just said there, where he said, well, what am I supposed to tell the owner? And it, it's almost like that reeked of me that there's a, there's a atmosphere there now in that from the coach to the GM likely up through the president, Cam Neely, that it's almost like everyone's fighting for their jobs right now and everyone's got to do what they can do to stay afloat. And I did some digging around, and a source that I have, Mick, and I said it earlier in the show, tells me that uh, not only does Sweeney have to worry about his job, he might have to worry that the guy he reports to directly, Cam Neely, is out to take that job as well. And I've been told that Neely is aiming to get the general manager job here in Boston. Which wow. I think would be a gigantic mistake, and I don't think it's going to happen. But that's that's what I was told by a, a guy I trust very much. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he would have the pull anymore that would help him get a Jeremy Roenick here or a Billy Garen again, or 
You know, I mean, that generation's gone. Keith Kachuk is not walking through that door. And Bill uh, Guerin you know, could be the next GM of the Penguins. I mean, he's, he's all <laughs> set. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking about the fact that, like, like um, you know, people are going to run to play, pay for, play for Cam Neely. I, I'm just thinking, if you set up a plan and you say, okay, is, is the entire plan going to hinge on whether or not they're a playoff team and an easy, easy out in the first round? Or uh, is, uh, relative to barely missing it, which is what they did do the last two years, and it could happen again this year. I mean, what is the substantial difference there uh, that, that, that would make you change an entire orientation and commitment to drafting and developing and restocking with prospects, which by all accounts outside the Bruins organization... They're the doing Bruins a great job are in, are, I mean, the Minnesota Wild is the only team that got more hype about its presence at the World Junior Championships than the Boston Bruins right. did. So, so if, the, if you set up this thing, you make this commitment, you say, okay, Peter, thanks for your service. We appreciate the Stanley Cup. Now we're going to move on and let Donnie redo this whole thing because that ship has sailed. Okay, they made that decision. They're not going to hang on to the past. They're going to go forward and uh, try to retain the core and, and reinvent the rest of it. And... Um, and so you get, he is now halfway through his second season, and this is only the first season in which you can realistically say that his fingerprints are on the club. Mm-hmm. So he pretty much spent last season uh, getting them under the cap and restocking the prospect pool. This year, he's put his fingerprints on the team. Now, you can all of a sudden say that if this team doesn't make the playoffs, which is really, I mean, look at the backup goaltending. I, I I think bringing back Anton Hudobin was a great move. Yeah, it didn't work out, or it hasn't worked out. So now Zane McIntyre is getting his shot, and uh, you know. But the, so so this fine line, it just seems strange to me that a team would teeter totter on the fine line of making or missing. It doesn't really change whether or not you have a shot at winning the Stanley Cup. You don't. Not yep. now. Not like this. Not with so many entry level developing players on your team. So why would you fire a clean house and say, oh, we're going to start all over again? Because this long-range plan didn't turn out in the short term. That makes no sense to me. Exactly. I have a hard time buying into these reports. I have a hard time believing in them. Well, here's the thing I'm also told, though, and this is a good thing for Bruins fans to hear, is that Jeremy Jacobs doesn't like those reports, and he is the opposite. I think Jacobs wants to make the playoffs, but Jacobs also sees what Sweeney's doing right now. And there's a reason Claude Julian was brought back, because Jacobs believes in him. Cam Neely wanted Julian out. Jacobs said no. And, and you know what? It just doesn't make sense to me that in the middle of a season like this, where I don't care what Sweeney said. The one thing I disagreed with with Sweeney in that story was that we're not where we thought we would be. That's funny. Like you and I just said, Mick, I think they're exactly where we thought they'd be. I think they're exactly what they what we thought they would be. They're, they're a borderline playoff team. They're a one-and-out type team at best. Don't don't just throw everybody overboard right now. You know, like let it develop more. You're doing a great job with your prospects. You can take some of those prospects. I I would not be opposed. A lot of people are, but I wouldn't be op- opposed to trading one of those prize D men for a kid like Matt Duchesne or Gabriel Landeskog. You know, would if you, you trade, would you trade Carlo or McAvoy? Well, the problem is, I would trade neither. But the problem is, you got to give to get right. And and I know for a they fact are, they want obviously they want McAvoy. No, they want Carlo. 
Well, I'm sorry, Carlo. That's yeah, what I meant. Yeah, because he's, he's a Colorado, Colorado kid. Yeah, they yeah. want him, and they, they, you know, they were upset they didn't the get him. The Bruins won't do it. Just like, uh, just like when Ryan Spooner was hot stuff, Shirelli wouldn't trade him in order to but, get a better uh, replacement for Dennis Seidenberg yeah. in 13-14, and the Bruins ultimately went to the playoffs with a developing defenseman on every pairing, and I thought they wouldn't get past Detroit. They didn't get past Montreal. Mick, let me ask you something, though. Like, you look, and I know it's too early. I mean, it's still early. You're only halfway through a season of Carlo's first NHL season. But if I was to put you on a spot right now, is he a future one or two D-man, or is he a three? Um, I, I don't see him as a, uh, as a one. Me two. neither. Maybe, maybe there's a chance he could be the defensive side of your stopper, but not on a Chara level. So when you have the uh, chance he's now... Not be, he's not going to be an offensive guy. Right. I don't think he's going to be Shea Weber. No. So, so, but I do think he's the very next notch below in terms of, in terms of potential. He's a, you know, he's, he plays a really good game. What I really like about him is his instincts. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of guys who are that big. He's smart. There's a lot of guys who skate that hard. There's a lot of guys who hit. There's a lot of guys who can score every now and then. But I, I love the way he negotiates the game and makes decisions. I think he's, he's good in the same regard that Dougie Hamilton is good. He has great instincts for the game. Yeah, and I, I think he's a little more physical than Hamilton, too, which I like. Well, of course, but, but yeah. uh, Hamilton's more sneaky physical. Yeah. But, but, but Carl is more in your face physical. And, and, um, and yeah, if I'm the Bruins, I'm married to this guy, too. I ain't going nowhere. See, well, did, but what, what could be worth getting, sending him away in order to get some sort of quick fix, in order to say, okay, this is where we are. The end of but the Matt day, Duchesne isn't a quick defense, fix. He's not ready to contend for the Stanley Cup. Right, but Matt Duchesne and Landeskog aren't quick fixes. That's well, investing Landis in your Gog, future, too. Yeah, yeah. okay. Let's, uh, yeah, I mean, I like Duchesne a lot better than Landeskog. Me, too. I like Landeskog's style of player better than Duchesne's style of player, but I like Duchesne's a player better than I think. I mean, if he was in Boston, Julian would have a lot of work to do with him. He's always cheating the offensive side of the puck in yeah. the middle of the rink. Yeah. It's unbelievable the way they play over there. Yeah, uh, it have to definitely uh, make him round out his game, much like uh, Don Cherry had to work with Rick Middleton and did so successfully. Now, so I ask you that about Carlo, though. So what I might, and I agree with everything you said with your assessment of him. But my thing is, all right, if that's all, it, I shouldn't say that's all, but if that's what we see him as, we don't see him as a number one, and you can get. I mean, let's say, okay, fine, don't do Duchesne and Landeskog, but if another under-25 player came along that, that that's really good, shouldn't you take that chance on that trade while the value is still up there where people are still believing that Carlo could be a number one or a number two? Because there's some out there that still believe that. Uh, I guess i got to ask the question is, what is Duchesne going to do for me um, if I'm the Bruins? And mm-hmm. i got to say, okay... This guy's been a center, he's been a wing, he's very Sagan-esque. Uh, he's really not sure what he is on the ice, other than that he's very dynamic and can score. He's one of those guys who, who if he's on the ice, it doesn't matter how your team's playing, he could score. And right. it's great to have a guy like that on your team. If he, if he doesn't develop into a guy who's going to be a horse for you and make a guy like Krejci um, uh, obsolete, then I don't want to do the deal. If he is a guy who's going to just sort of morph into Phil Kessel, then I don't, I don't want to do the deal. But if he's going to make you say, wow, I can play this guy in the middle and trade Krejci, then, then maybe you've got you to really seriously talk about it with your group. 
I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. And but see, the thing to me is, I I don't see that happening in season. You know what I mean? And this is something maybe these talks happened, and I could definitely see in June those talks getting reignited. But it, it's rare you see a deal like that. And like you said, I'm with you on the whole Krejci thing too. I'm saying, okay, if you do this, then you better take Krejci and parlay him into another defenseman. That's the way I look at it. And yeah, I don't know if you can pull that center, off midseason. He's going to play center, yeah. Right? He's going to be a center for your team, yeah. Duchesne could play the wing. He could play center. I'm not sure how good of a center he could be when his game is so flimsy right now. Mm. He's so dynamic and so scary with the puck. But, but when he doesn't have the puck, uh, he, can't be your, he can't be a top-two center in the NHL the way he plays the game right now and have his team be in the, in the playoffs. Excuse me. Uh, it's just he's, just, uh, he's cheating all over the ice. And the Bruins would have to uh, round him into into uh, form of a winner. Quick question before I let you go here, Mick. And I know teams are always going to say it doesn't matter what our rivals are doing. It has no bearing on our moves or what we do. But we all know that's not always the truth. How much does the Maple Leafs' surprising rise so quickly through the standings and, and, and this accelerated development, not by not on purpose though, but just the way they perform, the fact they're looming, they've got those games in hand on the Bruins. Does that affect anything Sweeney does going forward? Um, them in particular, no, but as part of a group that includes the Lightning and the Panthers who are still sleepwalking through the middle of the season and behind the playoff curve, um, I mean, their record looks more like Buffalo's than it does like Boston's. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Leafs now are in this pool with the Bruins in Ottawa, and and uh, the way they're trending, um, it's hard to to tell whether or not this team is is going to be able to keep this up. But if you're the Bruins, you got to be thinking in the big picture that somebody is going to emerge from that group, and you cannot count on on uh, the badness of the Atlantic to make up for your your own your own mediocrity. They're going to be seeing. They're going to be thinking about the conference as though they were all thrown into one lump sum, which they're not. But they got to treat it that way because someone on below them is going to make the playoffs. Somebody is. Yep, I know. It's it's crazy how lumped together. And then you look at yeah, like you said, the Metro's just so good. Hey, Mick, uh, quick music question. You ever hear Reckless Eric? No. You ever hear this song, The Whole Wide World? It's an old late seventies tune, punk tune. You know. Can you hear it in the background here? Not yet. Oh, there it goes. I know you know this song. This is like the one hit he had. You recognize that? You know what? I don't. But okay. I bet you Mike Loftus knows it. He probably saw them. He probably saw this band at the channel. So, so listen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at the Mighty Mighty Boston's, Mick, right after Christmas. They, they do their hometown throwdown, right? And this, this little old gray-haired guy comes out on stage with a guitar, and the, the place goes dark, and there's just a little spotlight on him. And he goes, I'm one of those one-hit wonders from the 70s. You might not remember me, but here goes nothing. And he just starts jamming out to this. It was, it was hilarious. It was great. I, I remembered the song. I just didn't remember his name because, like he said, he was more an underground guy. But he had this was the one song that made it for him, and they, they brought him in. It was great. Good times. I was probably not in my Johnny-come-lately stage to alternative rock. <laughs> all right, my friend. Hey, listen, Mick, uh, we appreciate all the uh, love you're giving the show here and you coming on. This probably will be the last time you're on uh, the stretch run, so uh, thanks a lot. you me to the curb? No, we're, you know, we're good. with the pretty blonde? <laughs> I wish. 
The, no, the pretty the pretty French Canadians coming down. That's what's happening. There you go. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate all the time you take coming on. Thanks a lot, my friend. Talking hockey's the best. All right. That is Mick Collagio from the New Bedford Standard Times. Join us here on a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We come back. It's our man Gabriel Morenci. Stay with us. I go the To the stretch run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. If you're an NFL fan trying to handicap the divisional playoffs, beware of reading too much into the wild card weekend. We saw the Steelers, Seahawks, and Packers have impressive wins. Even the Texans look good, but the opposition is about to get a little tougher. Packers beat a quality Giants team, but the Steelers and Texans were lucky enough to play against backups. And the Seahawks faced an injured Matthew Stafford. Of course, those defenses look pretty amazing. Next week, it'll be a different story. Enter the red-hot Matt Ryan and the Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys in their dominant offensive line, the sneaky good Kansas City Chiefs, and everybody's favorite in the AFC, Tom Brady and the Patriots. The wild card round felt like the JV tournament. The games weren't close, and the quality wasn't there on both sides of the line of scrimmage. The real competition starts next weekend. So if your team won this weekend, rejoice, but gear up. The playoffs are about to get a little bit tougher. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. When things come out of left field, having a game plan makes all the difference. Luckily, Farmers Insurance has been helping people cover their bases for 88 years, and they can help you too. Talk with an agent today so you can see if your coverage is ready for whatever curveballs may come your way. At Farmers, we know a thing or two because, well, we've seen a thing or two. Put our experience into play at Farmers.com. Farmers.com. We are Farmers. It's getting to be the best part of the football season, and there's no better place to be than Buffalo Wild Wings. They do it all for you, and it doesn't stop at wall-to-wall TVs, limited-time menu, or countless beers on tap. No, they go the extra mile, and from now until it's tapped out, Lagunitas Fandom Ale. That's a limited-release beer, this citrus-infused, hoppy, pale wheat ale that won't last long. Yep, I've said there's no place to be, but that's because it's true. It's Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. This is a place with the helpful hardware we just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is the place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. New York peace of mind. Let's discuss a little bit of the Derek Rose trade. I think he needed to start fresh. I think New York is the perfect place for him. He loves being in a city. He loves being under the bright lights. I think him, Mello, and Porzingis is an interesting, you it's know, interesting. it's a curious how everybody melts yeah. together. He has been a league average point guard, essentially. But, as we were touching on already, is significantly better than what the Knicks had. Starting now, the Knicks are in a much better place than they were three days ago. Every Saturday from 2 to 4, here on ESPN New Hampshire. 
Did you know there are medical grants available for families struggling with child health-related expenses? The United Healthcare Children's Foundation is currently seeking grant applications from families in need of financial assistance to help pay for their child's health care treatments, services, or equipment not covered or not fully covered by their commercial health insurance plan. Grants are often used to pay for medical services and equipment such as physical, occupational, and speech therapy, counseling services, surgeries, prescriptions, wheelchairs, orthotics, eyeglasses, and hearing aids. Parents and legal guardians may apply for grants up to $5,000 at www.uhccf.org. That's www.uhccf.org. To be eligible for grants, children must be 16 years of age or younger. Families must meet economic guidelines, reside in the United States, and have a commercial health insurance plan. Families do not need to have insurance through United Healthcare to be eligible. Last year, the United Healthcare Children's Foundation awarded medical grants to more than 2,000 children. This has been a public service message from the United Healthcare Children's Foundation. Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal. You probably knew that several hunting seasons were going on in the fall. But what you may not know is that trapping season also began in October and runs through March, with most activity occurring between November and December. You mention the word trapping and various images come to mind. Some are accurate, some are emotionally based and decades old. The truth is that skilled trappers provide the state with important ecological and societal benefits at no cost. This part of our cultural heritage prevents flooding damage by beavers, minimizes disease risks like rabies and canine distemper, and provides tools for wildlife management. And because trapping is highly regulated, it doesn't cause species to become threatened nor extinct. So don't just take someone's word for it. Learn more about trapping in New Hampshire at huntnh.com. Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Missed a portion of the show? Go to ESPNNHradio.com and download the podcast now. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head. That didn't hurt. And the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. Then I fumbled in my closet, through my clothes and found my cleanest dirty shirt. Then I washed my face and combed my hair and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day. I'd smoked my mind the night before With cigarettes and songs I'd been picking But I lit my first and watched a small kid Playing with a can that he was kicking Then I walked across the street and caught the Sunday smell of someone's frying chicken. And Lord, it took me back to something that I lost somewhere, somehow along the way. On a Sunday morning sidewalk, I'm wishing, Lord, that I was stoned. Something in a Sunday That makes a body feel alone And there's nothing short of 
Guessing our next guest was singing the words to this song on Saturday and Sunday morning up in Montreal after they celebrated the 15th anniversary of Sports Rage at Champs in Montreal. I was uh, witnessing from afar, living vicariously through Twitter, but it sounded like a great time. And joining us now is the man, Gabriel Morenci. How you feeling, Gabe? Yeah, we've recovered. Uh, we've recovered, uh, Jimmy. I'm a I'm a road warrior, so <laughs> I'm used to knocking them down like uh, like bowling pins. It was a great great show uh, at Champs. We're actually in Vancouver uh, this Friday, so wow. um, this this one's even a little bit uh, further. And then uh, hopefully we're wrapping up uh, with New York Super Bowl week. Uh, we're just uh, finalizing the details, uh, you know, great. Uh, for Super Bowl week. Uh, actually, in New York City. Um, then the uh, the 15th anniversary tour will be coming to a close, and uh, they asked me if I'm coming back um, when I'm coming back to Champs because the place is so packed. The guy said, "You come back next week." I said, "No, nah, I might be back in five years." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, if I make it to 20 years. But <laughs> all, all kidding aside, actually, hopefully the Expos um, go back to Montreal eventually. There's been a lot of talk of it recently. Yeah. Um, you know, the mayor, the mayor, um, you need government to actually want to do this. We can debate whether government should pay for stadiums or not. Uh, but, um, the government, uh, at least, um, has shown a, a willingness. Major League Baseball has shown a willingness. So yep. you have two interested parties. They just have to make it happen now. Yep. And I know that, uh, we have some mutual friends that are very much, uh, spearheading that, uh, that project to make it happen and make it reality, and Matthew Ross and uh, Mitch Melnick and uh, all the former Expos, Bill Lee. I saw saw some pictures with uh, you, Mitch, and our, our basketball man, Peter Yiannopoulos, up there. It's good to run into those guys, huh? Yeah, yeah, Yiannopoulos, all the Greek, uh, all the Greek boys uh, showed up. We had a big basketball contingent. There. <laughs> a lot of basketball players and uh, in Montreal. That's a little ironic. Yeah, a couple of football coaches as well. We had the Bishop Gators uh, head coach there. We had Earl De La Perel, who sent hundreds of kids to play NCAA uh, football. Uh, legendary coach from some youth uh, program. 
See, ironically enough, yeah, we go to Montreal, we didn't have one hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have made it if I could, and I Gabe. told you. I, I told you last week about the World Juniors and stuff. Oh, yeah? And, you oh. know, there were empty seats. The big, you know, it was a great game. Obviously, the gold medal game was a classic game. And I like how people are just outraged about the shootout. Like, have you bozos been watching? Like, you know, there's been a shootout for the last 20 years, okay, guys? He's always, oh, this is unbelievable. I can't believe there's a shootout. And I even heard this, like, uh, from, like, you know, the, the, uh, from the Americans who won. I was watching the Buffalo News. They're like, yeah. no way to end a world championship. I'm thinking, is this the first world championship you guys ever watch? I mean, thank God at least it didn't get to the point that the same guy. You know, Canada won years ago. Jonathan Tay scored like yeah, seven 2005. Times. Yep. Yeah, right. Like, he, scored, he scored like literally like every goal. And, yeah. you know, I guess the rule is after um, – after three shooters, you can go back to the same guy? Yes. Or was it after five? I don't even uh, know. It's after the, yeah, after the first five rounds, you can use the same guy as many times as you want. And that's yeah, what USA okay. did so, with Troy Terry. Yeah, so it didn't get to that. It didn't get to that. Uh, it, it didn't get to it that did point, in the Russia but, game, though. In USA-Russia, it did. He, he scored three times. They used him. Yeah, no, yeah. It, did, it did in the USA-Russia. And, you know, hey, it is what it is. It's, yeah. it's a world junior tournament. It adds a little bit of flair to it. We've actually talked about that in the NHL. Mm. In which, which I don't want to see. No, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. Although I'm not going to cry about it. Like it is what it is. If people want to watch a three-on-three all-star game, go ahead. Watch a three-on-three all-star game. But um, you know, it seems like they're trying to phase it out as it is, right? I mean, yeah. how long until they're like, you know, it really would be better if we just play four-on-four all the time. Yeah. Like, eventually, they're going to go down that route, and then, what, three-on-three? Three, yeah. And then it's just going to be, like, a shootout. It's Cosby and Malkin only. Like, it's a team sport still, right? Yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying. And, you know, it, it's interesting, I, and I, I'll get your take, and then we'll get into the football here. But, Gabe, I was, uh, you know, as I'm watching that game, and you know you know the stalemate the NHLPA and NHL are at right now, where whether they should go to the Olympics in 2018. And I don't know what your opinion, that's a whole other topic, but... If they want to find a compromise, I suggested, you know, based on the excitement level that this tournament generated amongst amongst people, gave people I know who don't give a bleep about hockey were really enthralled with this tournament and really got send the junior kids to the Olympics. Twenty four and under, send the NHL twenty four and under players from each team, and then at the same time, you can still have the NHL season go on while they're away. So that well, way you're not, you're not, not losing gonna... the ticket revenue, you know? You, you still get that, and the owners can be happy. But I don't think the GMs and the coaches are going to want that because, let's face it, most NHL teams are depending more so on their 24 and unders than they are on the guys older than that. Yeah, if you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, exactly. There's a lot of teams, the Toronto Maple Leafs, etc. Half their team would be eligible. Right. You know, that's, that's not a bad idea, though, actually, Jimmy, to make um, to send to send the, just the juniors. But yeah. Why we you know the fact is, and I think next year it's in Buffalo. It is, which it'll do well in Buffalo. Yeah, but um, they're playing you know, an outdoor gonna, game too. They're playing yeah, uh, USA Canada in the Bill Stadium. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. you know, whatever they play outdoors every day. Now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean, did you see the one I in California? Did they, did they, did the Bruins just play outdoors. No, no, they, they had it, they huh? had four college games outdoors uh, in, at oh, Fenway. So yeah. the Bruins didn't play. Or are they, no, are they no, Bruins it was just there? no. The Bruins were playing down south. They were losing to Carolina, but they had four uh, 
They had oh, four okay, outdoor games. Yeah, I was confused about that. Yeah. Like, that's how little I cared. You yeah. Know we're I mean? at, oh, and, and for our listeners, we actually have tickets, but we'll get to that later. We have tickets for that. UNH is playing there. Yeah, no, they have it's two a cool weeks. Concept. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool concept. You yeah. know, it's for a college game, et cetera. But like I said, yeah, the little outdoor stuff is, you know, all yeah, right. Yeah, water down. You know, to be honest, as somebody that lives in a cold weather city, I'd rather watch the game indoors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hey, uh, everyone wants to watch. That's great. You know, it isn't great. It sucks. <laughs> like, it's cold. It, it isn't great. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, it isn't. But, um, but you know, quickly on this, and I told you guys, that, you know, they got so greedy. I saw that Toronto, uh, the city of Toronto and Montreal, they paid $20 million, guys, for the rights to this. Wow. Stuff. Think about that. But everyone cries about the NCAA. Yep. You want to talk about getting ripped off. <laughs> like, like $20 million. Now, that doesn't even include the television rights. And TSN in Canada pays big money for this crap. So, like, they make so much money off of this. They were charging 350 bucks, And, you know, I, I told you last week, people rejected it. Good. People Good rejected it. Didn't want to pay the money. They watched it on television. Yep. Uh, but and it was the same stuff with the World Cup of Hockey. They put it in Toronto. Yeah. They set up the big screen outside, like, for Raptor games. Raptor games in the playoffs, there's, like, 14,000 people. There's, like, as many people outside. And uh, they set this up, and they had a bunch of commercials running, and the World Cup of Hockey, and they had, like, commercial with, like, thousands of people outside cheering. And in reality, when the gold medal game arrived, there were six people outside. (laughs) (laughs) There were more security. Like, you know, I'm telling you, like, hockey... Hockey's been uh, slapped upside the head in Canada uh, as of late. The Raptors' popularity is really, really caught on in the Toronto market. Now, obviously, out, out west, you know, Connor McDavid and Edmonton and, and you know, Calgary don't really have anything else going on. So they're, they're going to always be into this. Uh, but, um, you know, and as far as the Olympics are concerned, it's a great, I like your idea. Yeah, I don't um, think it's ever going to happen, but I like it. <laughs> my, yeah, because they don't want to give up the money of the World yeah. Junior. So, but my whole deal is... I don't care one way or the other. Like, I used to be happy. Like, you know, the Jim Craig miracle on ice, that wasn't NHL players, right? You know, like, yeah. I've always enjoyed the Olympic hockey for what it is, as, mm-hmm. as the Olympic hockey. Um, but with that being stated, I'm not going to lie. The best hockey out there is in the Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, that's just elite hockey. Yep. So, you know, my whole deal is make up your damn mind. Don't go... And don't be all, oh, yeah, we want in when it's in Vancouver. And, yeah, we're going to sell a million freaking jerseys, and we're going to win because it's in Canada. And you know what? The arrogance, we won't even have international ice. You guys are lucky to be playing in Canada here. And, oh, we're in it. You know, like, that's my whole deal. They didn't mind Salt Lake City. They didn't mind Vancouver. And now, so I don't know about South Korea. But I guarantee you, Jimmy, if the Olympics are in Chicago in eight years, the NHL will walk back in. Yeah. Right? So that's my whole deal. Make up your mind. Yep. You're either you're in or you're out. You guys yep. don't pick on the convenience of where it is. Yeah. Because this it comes down to the NHL doesn't like this. And I know this is somebody that bets on the KBL, the Korean Basketball League, um, that their prime time is our four in the morning, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, no, no joke. So, like, if the Olympic hockey goes on, it's going to be on at two in the morning. Yeah, And the NHL is figuring, oh, God, we're going to shut down our season. We're going to send this to Korea. What are we going to get out of this? Are we going to grow the game in Korea? Um, you know, the game's going to be on in the middle of the night. Um, I had Jared J.D., John Davidson, on the head of the Blue Jackets the other day, and he's, you know, he's a powerful guy in the hockey world. 
and it seems like he's against it. Uh, the players seem to be for it. I know, you know one crew will get the football, but I can tell you one thing. The NHL doesn't want to do this. Batman doesn't want to go. Oh, no. Batman... Jacobs doesn't want to do it. He's running everything. I know exactly. that for a fact. He the told me right to my do face. It oh, you know, my team, my this, my that. Uh, you know, we're shutting. And I get it. They're shutting the season down for a couple of weeks. They're, they're idiots if they don't think that it doesn't help grow the game. It does. Because people watch that Olympic hockey and then they're like, man, I want to watch some more hockey. And right. they want to watch the playoffs after and et cetera. So I think it helps them. Uh, you know, I like your idea, an idea that I came up with, and, well, came up with. Uh, you know, I'm not the only one that's ever kicked this out here, but what about having them in the summer games? Mm. You know, what about the summer games? The, the, you know, the, the, the Olympics are usually in August anyways. Um, you know, they're, they're never in June. It's always late summer for the most part, September. It, you know, the NHL, the NHL owners wouldn't be able to say anything because the players want to go. Oh, that's going to say he's yeah. going no matter what, right? Yep. He says, I don't care. I'm going. Like, it's, that's, it's just he told the owners of the cops, I'm going to the Olympics. So, you know, with or without you type thing, you put this in the summer. And, and listen, you know, you figure out hockey in the summer. It's late summer anyways. Hockey in the summer. When do they give the damn Stanley Cup, man? June 23rd. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've already been playing hockey in the summer. Like, there is no hockey off season. You know, they, they yep. award the cup on June 20th. Yep. And then, boom, all rookies and uh, rookies reported on uh, July 18th. It's like, yeah, good for you. You know, like, they already have it on. Like, it's. Yeah, they play. People eat. People like hockey. They eat it up. You put this in the summer games, nice and simple. You know, boom. There you, you fixed all your problems. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that'd be a great idea. I think that's a, a good solution there. We'll see. What the real happens. thing is, they just don't want to shut the season down, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they're worried but about I was ticket revenue. Say, on a more serious note, I know that the NHL, the NHL bosses, owners, basically told the players, "You guys can go to the Olympics if you want next year," because it seems like the players really do want to go. If you're wondering. Is it the players? Is it the owners? No, the players do want to go. Like, the players don't care that it's in North Korea. They want to play. Oh, yeah. So, guys, I saw Crosby saying that he wants to go. Uh, Malkin wants to go. Ovi wants to go. Guys want to go. Um, but um, the NHL owners told them, you guys can go if you agree to extend the current collective bargaining agreement another three years. And then the Players Association rejected that. So... It seems like it, it's probably, my guess is it ends up happening. Yeah. Uh, uh, they just have to work this out, the insurance and any owners. But the owners aren't happy about it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that. It's interesting stuff. Like, let's get right to it, Gabe. Well, you know what? We'll talk NFL later in the week, I'm sure, in our, on our show on Thursday. But uh, let's talk about the national championship game tonight. Raymond James Stadium, Tampa, Florida, the Clemson Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide, a rematch. Who are you liking in this game and why? Well, you know, it's the first time we've ever had a college football uh, rematch. Uh, last year's game was a classic. And I remember last year, actually. I got back from Vegas uh, the day of the game, and uh, I was after the Panthers game. And I was, in, I was in a bad mood, and, man, you want to talk about hungover, actually. Uh, I was so I remember last year. And actually, won. I had a future bet on uh, on Alabama, and I thought Clemson would cover the number uh, last year. Uh, but uh, this year, I think that the Clemson Tigers are not only going to cover the point spread, but they're going to win the game outright. You know, yeah. I, I really, I really sincerely believe this. I think that Deshaun Watson is just on a mission. 
I look at this game in a very similar fashion as I do the Clemson-Ohio State game. Now, I'm not expecting this to be 31 nothing, or whatever the final score was in that game. Um, but with that being stated, we have an 18-year-old quarterback in Jalen Hurts who's, you know, he struggled last week against Washington. Uh, Lane Kiffin not there right now. I'm not so concerned about the X's and O's. Listen, Saban obviously... You know, this is Saban's team. Saban's going to be calling this game. Sarkeesian will just sort of be the the conductor of it. Uh, but without being stated, Jalen Hurts is an 18 year old kid who's not a great pocket passer to begin with. Mm-hmm. Whose quarterback coach was Lane Kiffin, like on a daily basis. Like you know, he was Jalen Hurts isn't hanging with Nick Saban very much in practice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Lane Kiffin was the one that was working on his mechanics. He was the one. He was the the shoulder to lean on. He was his guy, and he was also the guy that called the plays uh, into him. Suddenly, you don't have that. It's just a, it's a little bit different suddenly for Jalen. And, you know, last year it was 45-40. Um, there were like three ties and four lead changes in that football game. It went back and forth. And if you look at what happened in that game, Derrick Henry ran for three touchdowns. Um, he's not there. I know Bo Scarborough was good. Uh, but nevertheless, is Bo Scarborough going to put up three touchdowns today? Um, Kenyon Drake popped a 95-yard kickoff return. Clemson scored a touchdown, and boom, Alabama responded right away uh, with a kickoff return. Uh, Jacob Coker last year played great. I remember like being shocked, even against Michigan State, and then into the, the championship game. You know, Alabama runs the ball. Coker doesn't really do anything at the quarterback position. Coker was throwing bombs, and he was throwing them on a dime. Um, you know, with all that being stated, they don't have that same offensive firepower. We, you know, I know they, they both put up 39 points per game, uh, but I find Clemson's offense to be a little bit more reliable. I think that Alabama's uh, passing game could struggle a little bit. Clemson is, um, you know, ranked 16th in the country against the pass, or top 16 and 19 against the run of the pass. So top 20 and two. Now we should note Alabama is number one in the country against the run and like number nine against the pass. So mm-hmm. we have two stalwart defenses here, obviously. Uh, but, you know, we saw last week in that football game, the Washington Husky defense matched up with Alabama's offense. Scarborough popped a few, but for the most part, considering that those kids on the defense were on the field for as much as they were with all the three and outs on the offense, it was, it was Jake Browning. It was the offensive side of the football that collapsed last week for the Washington Huskies. The defense sort of held their own. And I just sort of look at this in which if Clemson can limit the turnovers, Deshaun Watson's thrown 17 interceptions this year. He's got to limit that. You know, one interception tonight's fine. Not two or three. That's just, it's going to be too much. But if they can get up and in a similar situation in which they tried to make JT Barrett beat them by throwing the football, um, they can be successful. And I think they have a very similar game plan. Now it's a little bit tougher. Now, it's easy to say, oh, Ohio State are terrible because we just saw them going to shut up. People weren't saying Ohio State were terrible like before the game. In fact, no. they were favorites in that football game. So I'm not saying. I know that Alabama has a more explosive offense, but technically, you know, hey, Ohio State were putting up 41 points a game this year, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking that Clemson is going to be able to score enough to put pressure on Alabama to keep up. I think Alabama's going to be in a dogfight to win this game, uh, let alone cover the seven points. And that's just my own eyeball test 
Now we get into some of the numbers of you know Dabo Sweeney six and zero against the spread his last six bowl games covered the number last year against Bama thirteen and four last seventeen times uh, Sweeney's been an underdog he's covered the number um, how about this in fact the underdog is fourteen and one against the spread in Clemson's last fifteen bowl games really um, it's it's unbelievable the, the, and he's six and zero actually. Since they got walloped by West Virginia years ago, and Geno Smith put 70 on them, he hasn't lost a bowl game, and he's been an underdog in every damn game. They were an underdog last year in the semifinal. They were an underdog in, in a championship game, and he covered. They were an underdog against Ohio State, and he covered, and he won outright. Here we are, an underdog again. Brett Venables has done a great job with his defense. I'm calling it a close game. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. As far as the score, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as last year was, but I still think there'll be some points put up on the board. I'm going to say 35-31 Clemson. All right. I like it. I like it. Going with the dog. I hope I hope it's an exciting game. Listen, Gabe, we, will, uh, we won't be on Friday. We actually just found out uh, through some station changes. Uh, we are no longer after this week, so our last show is going to be Thursday, and we would be honored to have you on the last show, my friend. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, sad news uh, to say the least. Yeah, uh, that's, it's part. Uh, but, it's the way uh, the business is. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know. I'm going to blame myself. I've been on a lot of last <laughs> shows actually. But uh, well, we'll make it a good one, my friend. All right. All right, good stuff, Jimmy. All right, talk to you soon. That's Gabriel Morenci joining us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We got one small little segment left. We'll be back. Yes, we rent city to city. It's the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Remillard with ESPN New Hampshire Student Athlete of the Month of November with Gabrielle Masseur from Nashua North. How are you? Thank you so much. You broke Nashua North's high school lacrosse goal record as a junior. So that was obviously a really special game. We were playing against Merrimack. Definitely a really great game and it was really exciting, but I couldn't have done it without my teammates helping me out and getting the ball and feeding it to me and their support and my coaches' support. What's your favorite thing about playing lacrosse. So I love getting the ball and transitioning it from whether it be defense to offense, getting it from the draw and just like sprinting down as fast as I can and getting it to my team. I really like the teamwork and effort. On here I'm C 